pleased to welcome to the program now the mayor of Kamloops, Mr. Ken Christian. Mr. Mayor, how are you today? Very good, thank you, Jeff. Good. Thanks, as always, for taking the time. Now, uh, I always like to ask you this one. I think I asked it last year. I'm going to ask it again this year. It is Pink Shirt Day today. Are you wearing a pink shirt today, Ken? And a pink tie. So, uh, yes, uh, Council City Council uh, very much uh, supports the anti-bullying initiatives, and a number of councillors have uh, uh, taken that on in various social media platforms and and, uh, certainly in their department around the city. So, you know, let's just be kind. And particularly now, while we are facing the challenges of COVID-19, it's more important just to, to relax a bit, step back a bit, and and uh, really think about the consequences of our actions on others. Absolutely, and uh, it's a great reminder here today. So uh, glad to hear you're participating, and uh, yeah, uh, good stuff, as always. All right, let's get into the actual crux of yesterday's meeting. And I actually wanted to start, it it was brought up at yesterday's meeting, uh, council meeting, but not actually necessarily a part of it, but uh, a meeting with uh, Premier John Horgan, the Urban Mayor's Caucus, meeting today with the Premier. Uh, What was sort of the, the topics of discussion here with him today? Well, the meeting is uh, uh, later on today, uh, and uh, the two things that we're going to be putting forward uh, as the uh, Urban Mayor's Caucus are the uh, two main elements from our blueprint, and that's uh, mental health and addiction issues within our cities and the uh, fiscal framework, the the, the taxation process that really uh, allows cities to do the work that we need to do. And it's based upon a land tax uh, system that's a century old, and and really it doesn't uh, get uh, the uh, proper revenues from the proper sources to deal with the kind of things cities are dealing with now. And, and, uh, you know, uh, life in, in local government has changed in the last century, and I think the way that we fund local governments should change as well. Maybe we need to look at uh, more emphasis on on uh, sales tax uh, to provide sources of revenue. Maybe uh, property sales tax rather than just property evaluation. Uh, there are a number of different options, and and we're not talking here about adding taxes. We're talking about a redistribution of the uh, taxes uh, to local governments. If you look at the average dollar you pay in taxes, most of that goes to the federal government then the next biggest hunk goes to the province and and then about 8% of that dollar, 8 cents, goes to the city. And yet everybody's expecting the city to answer all of the problems that they have to deal with. So uh, let's look at that distribution and and, uh, that's something that myself and the other mayors in the caucus are quite uh, adamant about. Yeah, and kind of to dovetail on that in regards to to social issues that are being experienced here in Kamloops and across the province, uh, there is an unscheduled council meeting now that has been set up for next week where social issues will be the topic of discussion. A couple of councillors, Dale Bass, Bill Sarai, going to be putting forward some motions looking to deal with with a range of social issues in the community. And this, of course, comes on the heels of a pretty lengthy conversation that was had on this very topic just a couple of weeks ago. I guess, what are you anticipating next week? And and in terms of the discussion, I imagine there's going to be a lot of chatter about uh, different tools, different things you can do and kind of going back to your topic on the mayor or on the premier, excuse me, um, having some extra funding to be able to incorporate some new tools and add additional programs that probably goes hand in hand here. 
Yeah, you know, it, it, first of all, it's unusual that we would have a special meeting, but there is provision in the charter when a couple of uh, councillors petition the mayor to do that, and the mayor has the right to do that, or I have the right to do that on my own, but uh, I haven't uh, in the past, but I will uh, for this coming uh, meeting, because I think it's an important topic, and I think what uh, the councillors are uh, just reflecting is what they're hearing on the street, what they're hearing from business, what they're hearing from residents uh, about their concerns and frustrations in in uh, the deteriorating conditions on the streets of Kamloops. And I, I should just add, as I always do, it's not just in Kamloops. And, and uh, you know, the mayors throughout British Columbia share the same concerns that we have here, uh, some of them uh, more vividly, but uh, nonetheless Nonetheless, we uh, have a role to play in in dealing with this, and so uh, they have a couple of uh, fairly omnibus motions. And uh, so, looking at that and thinking about tacking that onto the end of a regular council meeting really didn't give it enough time to really be debated. So uh, we'll have a separate meeting, and and my hope is that once those uh, motions are moved and seconded, they might even be uh, severed so that we could talk about each of the. Uh, kind of bite-sized pieces, as it were, uh, independently to see if there's, uh, you know, some uh, ideas that we can glean from a discussion uh, about things like back alley security in the night and and public washrooms and those kinds of things. Yeah, and, and the timing of this too, I find interesting in the sense that last week the province had announced the new $100 million fund to be administered through UBCM to tackle homelessness issues or housing issues, if you will, in communities. Obviously, there's a lot more to you know, the, this wide scope of topics that we're discussing in terms of social issues as opposed to just housing, but it is a part of it. I guess, do you see this new fund as something that could be beneficial to Kamloops and maybe even your discussion next week with council um, will lead to the ability to come up with some new programs that this fund might be able to, to help support? Yeah, you know, I do, and, and, and kudos to the provincial government for making that money available, but there is a caution. Uh, I think that this can be seed money that, that they put out and that you use that money to fund a program for a year or maybe two, and then uh, after that runs out, it falls back to the taxpayers, and people sit and scratch their head and wonder why they have an 8% tax increase, right? So I want to make sure that the city is staying in its lane, that the we do the things that we're responsible for and that we call others to task to do the things that they're responsible for. So, uh, well, I'm excited about the opportunity to have some money. I think we have to be cautious about how we spend that money uh, and and look at things that are uh, kind of pilot programs or uh, things that really would have uh, the potential of being funded if they're successful by uh, provincial or federal monies. Yeah, for sure. Uh, that makes a whole sense. I appreciate that caution. Not something I necessarily thought about. That's a really good point. Now, uh, I guess to, to change gears a little bit here, uh, one of the things we have been seeing a lot of commentary about, a lot of comments on social media about, I don't want to spend too much time on this subject, but that is in regards to dog licenses. Um, the the um, council discussed yesterday the idea of the late fees, the $32.50 late fee. Uh, some on council thinking that was a little bit too much, almost half of what an actual dog license would cost, um, or even even more than if your dog is spayed or neutered. So uh, I think it's probably not a, a huge deal. It doesn't need to garner much discussion, but why do you think it's important to have these late fees and why is it, um, you know, council deciding not to move that date a little bit later on in the year past January 1st? 
Yeah, you know, I, I think the notice of motion was in response to a number of emails that we got, and, and you can anticipate that when you had about uh, 2,000 people that failed to renew their dog licenses, so they were assessed a fee for that, and uh, our uh, community services officers are working their way through that backlog and, and uh, looking at extenuating circumstances for some. But uh, by and large, uh, we sent out uh, individual reminders to every person to buy mail, including a, a rack card as well as the bill, uh, 60 days in advance of when it was due. And then we put no less than six reminders in both newspapers as well as on social media, and people just continued to not pay. And I think that is a symptom of the problem that we were trying to solve, and that is that people really weren't valuing paying for the license because there was no penalty for not paying for it. So we were having to send bylaw people door to door to collect small amounts of money, which is just an egregious waste of taxpayers' money. So uh, this is intended to uh, bring that system in line with other dog licensing regimes in British Columbia. And, uh, you know, I think uh, the bottom line is that it's not a, a money grab. Uh, dogs pay for dog services. So uh, things like the dog parks, which are immensely popular, uh, those are funded through dog licensing fees. Uh, things like animal control and, and uh, uh, nuisance animals, and that is funded through that program as well. So, you know, really it's about supporting, uh, you know, uh, dogs and dog owners in the community. And I think uh, for the most part, people kind of get that. There are some people that were, uh, you know, uh, caught short by uh, the change in date and the and the fee and and perhaps in retrospect maybe you shouldn't do both at the same time maybe you should look at uh, changing the fee one year and and changing the due date another but uh, it is what it is and uh, the majority of council uh, felt we should uh, hold the line yeah well i'm sure if you you made the mistake and didn't pay on time this year or or, or were caught off guard by the amount then uh, you'll, you'll remember for for 2022 and you won't be caught in that same situation so i think it makes sense to keep it where it is at at this point in time um i did want to ask a, a quick question here in regards to uh the tnrd you are a board member on there i don't need to get into the history of it but i just wanted to ask uh, you know obviously there's a big scandal going on if you will or, or a lot of um news reports out there um about spending by the cao i just wanted to ask you know if if um you feel confident moving forward that that problem won't be seen again in the future and we're going to have proper audits in place to deal with, with spending of taxpayer dollars at the TNRD level. Yeah, there there always is proper audits and, and there's proper reporting. I think uh, all of the reporting for everyone uh, at the TNRD is done in what's called a SOFI report. Uh, it's uh, a report that is issued annually by every public body about the uh, wages and expenses of uh, everyone associated with that uh, organization at a certain level and certainly all the political people. Uh, anything related to uh, the matters uh, pertaining to the former CAO are covered in, in uh, closed meetings 
beginning of the TNRD, and as uh, part and parcel of that, uh, directors are not uh, at liberty to talk about those uh, because it violates our uh, oath of office as well as it uh, puts the organization in some uh, potential legal jeopardy. So I can't talk about that uh, issue related to uh, the former CAO, but what I can say is that, you know, I'm on their audit committee, uh, Al Rain chairs it, and uh, the audit committee is reviewed annually by an external auditor, and uh, they are responsible for policies related to everything, uh, you know, from uh, telephones through to uh, purchases for uh, retirement gifts and things like that. So, you know, that's all there. I think uh, what you're referring to is a compendium of expenses, and it should not be confused that anyone uh, had a million dollars or half a million dollars uh, given to them. It was a question of the mechanism of payment, uh, and that payment was done through credit cards to uh, provide some consistency uh, in terms of the billing and save the district money uh, rather than uh, issuing uh, 25 uh, lunch uh, checks to 25 directors. One person paid the bill and then charged it to the 25 directors. So over five years, that adds up. uh, And that's really what the report reflects. I won't, uh, I won't follow up on that, but I appreciate that response, Ken. And I do have one more question for you here, and uh, it's coming up in just a little bit. I'm going to be joined by Councillor Mike O'Reilly for a town hall session, our first one here on Radio NL on NL Newsday. If you had one question for Councillor Mike O'Reilly, what would it be? Yeah, who's his favorite mayor? Uh, no, I... I, I, I... I think that this is an excellent initiative, but uh, again, uh, Councillor O'Reilly uh, is going to be uh, limited to some degree by uh, you know personnel issues within the city. Uh, people might have an issue with a bylaw officer or a building inspector or something like that. This wouldn't be the forum to uh, adjudicate that, but it would be an opportunity to talk about uh, some of the general issues that face the city, and I think having an open mic discussion like that is great, particularly uh, during the pandemic when we are kind of limited in the way that we can engage with the public. So uh, kudos to uh, uh, the mighty NL for uh, giving us this opportunity. Hey, thanks so much for the time as always, Ken. Appreciate it. Looking forward to this town hall and uh, we'll catch up again soon. Thanks for the time. Very good. Bye-bye. Goodbye. There you go. Mayor of Kamloops, Ken Christian.